What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. We're on a streak now. This is the third week in a row for the First Gear Podcast. My name is Eric, and I'm here with Tanner. What's up, man? Hey, man. Working on that consistency, trying to get this show up and rolling again. Facts. I'm going to say out loud that it is really weird reintroducing you after I've already been talking to you, usually for like 20 minutes or something before we start the show. I know. We're pretty good at doing that. We'll uh, sit here and kill an hour talking and be like you know we probably should start recording at some point uh yeah well some stuff give or take may may or may not should be on the show and then we have to kind of and then we get rambling about just nonsense and it's just like the show we just get rambling about a bunch of other stuff and suddenly it's been a half hour and it's like almost eight o'clock and we're like shit all right well we need to record (laughs) something (laughs) yeah well it's easy to do we usually have way too much to talk about Yes, and there's never enough time during the week to uh, get it all out of our systems. So anytime we get to talk to each other, it almost turns into like, we should do this. We should do this for the racing stuff. We should do this for the show. We should do this for blah, 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 blah. And then it's like 45 minutes goes by and I'm like, shit, all right, well, we need to hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how she goes, I guess. Yeah, well, it's it's what happens. You know, we're adults. We have like, a million different things going on, just like everybody else that's taken the time. And thank you for listening to the show and picking it back up again. Uh, we just looked at the analytics and there's a shocking amount of people listening to the show, sharing the show, all kinds of other stuff. So um, yes, that, that it's freaking awesome that everybody picked it back up as we started recording again. So thank you. I just want to say that. Yeah, we appreciate the hell out of it. I mean, we are just a couple rambling idiots, so... <laughs> Yeah, we just, you know, choose to record the the nonsense that we speak about and put it out there on the internet. It's like, here you go, have at it. <laughs> Pretty much. It sounds like Eric's been getting some interesting feedback on it, too. So that's cool. I'm glad you guys are engaging with the show again, and hopefully we can keep it up and keep pushing them out once a week again. Yeah. Well, the Instagram page is growing pretty steadily. Like it's, I've I've noticed that. The numbers are consistently going up yeah it's uh it's it's been pretty good we've been consistently posting just doing everything right and as long as we stay consistent with it it'll work out so i'm excited i love doing this um podcasting was one of my favorite things to do with uh the other show that i was on uh the blown smoke podcast it was just it's fun to talk about cars what you have going on and just share stories with you know the people that choose to download the show and you know care to listen um because sometimes people get it get stuff out of it sometimes i make up words that nobody knows how to use and shit hits the fan and like we got to talk about everything <laughs> i don't know like there's a whole anything can happen whenever we're on the show pretty much well and we kind of started this thing in kind of a really weird time because podcasting has been getting very popular in the last couple years but mm-hmm. like when when we started it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was near as popular as it is now. And I mean, we started the show, what, six, seven months ago? Or maybe it's a little more than that. I don't think it was that long. October? Yeah, it was October, November last year or something like that when we finally got, you know, rolling. And then as soon as like PRI and stuff like that started to hit, we were just like gone. Well, it's also when everything at the house started to really pick up and I my time went just to zero for Mm -hmm. a while 
yeah, but but yeah, I mean, podcasting is like so incredibly popular now. It's like everybody has their own podcast. So the fact well, that yeah. the fact that people are picking up on our show after we just pretty much ghosted everybody for a little while mm-hmm. is <laughs> is pretty cool. Well, people must enjoy what we ramble about, so that's cool. I appreciate the hell out of it. Well, podcasting is kind of like YouTube channels. Everybody has one, but it's up to the, you know, the person putting out the content as to whether it's actually good or not. So you can have, you know, 600 gazillion podcasts, but very few of them are actually ones that I listen to on repeat. So I don't know. A lot of them I've never even heard of. Like I, I'm a nerd. So I listen to a couple car shows throughout the week. I listen to Dell jr. Obviously, uh, four bumper clear. I tried stacking pennies. Didn't really, I don't know if that one's like hit or miss. There's a couple other ones that I just tried Uh dirty mo dough, which ended up being a sports betting podcast and it confused me. So I was like, ah, I'm out. Okay. 15 yeah. minutes into it. I was like, I love Steve Letart, but I don't care about betting that much. So just, yeah, I don't either. Not my thing. No. My brain don't work that way. So no, I, I don't know. I'm weird about that kind of stuff. My, stepdads try to get me to go to the track with him a bunch of times and you know i've like the horse racing tracks and stuff like that and i'm just like i i really don't care like i don't know what a parlay is i don't give a shit like if it's got eight cylinders and it goes in a circle cool i'm in like all in give me that <laughs> but any of anything else is like just a hard no just yeah, and I mean, I got a bunch of buddies that are really big into the sports betting stuff, and they're watching all the college and professional sports. And yes, and I have no clue. It's like they're speaking Chinese to me. I have no <laughs> idea what they're even talking about. Like I'm always yes. asking them, like the when they have odds for who's going to win the race or whatever, like plus sixteen hundred or minus sixteen hundred. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and they're like, oh well, I, I that know. means if you bet, if you bet like. If you bet like a dollar or something, you and they end up winning, you could win like 160 bucks or something. And I'm like, okay, that still makes no sense to me. But <laughs> that's when I'm usually just like, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way when it comes to like gambling at casinos and stuff. I've gone one time in my entire life, and like, I'm I'm good. I don't need to ever do it again. I did the same thing. I just remember I got old enough to bet. My wife, one of my best friends, and myself. Went up to the Ameristar here in St. Louis, and I don't even remember what happened. I just remember putting the money into the thing, pulling a lever a bunch of times, and then going other places and you know doing other betting things. And then an hour later, I was out of money, and I was like, "Well, we did that. Like, this is it. <laughs> okay." Yeah, I mean, I I went in there with like sixty bucks and put 20 bucks in a penny slot and sat there for like an hour and a half until I either broke even or lost all my money. So yeah. <laughs> I think Lauren yeah. actually ended up winning something. If I remember yeah, right. She I ended mean, up. It just, it just doesn't do it for me. I mean, I, I work incredibly hard for my money and I would much rather spend it on race cars than uh, in a stinky casino that smells like cigarette smoke and, watch $20 go away in a push of one button. <laughs> it just disappeared. It just <laughs> fucking disappeared. <laughs> yeah, that it's not my thing. And some people yeah. love it, but it's definitely not for me. 
No. Dude, you know what it is for me, though? Ford versus Ferrari. I just watched that this past weekend because, I don't know, I've been, like, my energy levels have been all over the place for the past, I'd say, three weeks. So I'll have days that I'm feeling like, take. I just got struck by lightning and take over the world. And then there's other days that just just straight brain fog for 24 <laughs> hours, and it's super frustrating. So I just, like, it was Friday night. I was like, you know what I haven't done in a long time? Or like, I can't even remember the last time I did this was just sit down and watch a movie. So I watched Ford versus Ferrari and oh, such a good movie. Dude, Christian Bale is awesome. Facts. I know he's kind of hit or miss with a lot of people, but nailed it. Um, Oh, he, he killed that part. I mean, he, that was about as perfect of a Ken Miles as you could probably get. See, I didn't even know just because I never looked into it. I always I knew that Ford had won, had done the four peat at Lamar um, throughout the mid to late sixties, and I knew that it was a part that Carol Shelby had something to do with it. Lee Iacocca had something to do with it, and then there's that prick Ford executive that was in the movie, uh, the the BB guy, Leo BB, something like that. Yeah, and and then there was Ken who did all the work tested the cars, made them what they were, and you didn't hear his name that often. Outside mm-hmm. of that, until that movie really came out, you didn't really hear his name that often, which I mm-hmm. think is kind of crazy, considering basically if he doesn't exist, like that whole program doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It would have happened, but it wouldn't have lasted as long. That, and he was a driving machine. Uh, Yeah, that that was pretty cool. I had no idea that he was that good until I started looking up his stats and then started diving into the history of the SCCA. And I don't know, I I went on like a, I was up till two o'clock in the morning looking at all this crap. Like (laughs) I just went down a rabbit hole again. At least it wasn't, I don't remember what it was last time. Tremor F two fifties or something like that. Yep. That's exactly what it was. Oh my gosh. I looked up (laughs) everything that, I ever wanted to know about the SCCA, the rule book, the local tracks around here, figured out that there are events at the St. Charles Family Arena once a month, signed up to go at the end of May, just to um, just to see what it's like. And then whenever the Ranger is gone, I have a plan. I'm buying an old C10 pickup truck, and I'm because they have the trailing arm rear suspension, and you can adjust and do things to those really easily. Um, independent front suspension, they have the coil springs in the back. It's a very very much like a race car setup from the factory and it's a freaking truck. The one that I'm looking at's already um had a flip kit done to the rear end, so it's been dropped two to three inches, front's been dropped a couple inches, and yeah. I'm going racing. I don't give a fuck. I'm done with not doing it. Can't afford a dirt car right now. Well in, you know, a way probably, but I don't really want to spend twenty to thirty grand on a dirt car to be competitive right now. That doesn't just no <laughs> especially not with the limited amount of tracks that are around this area if it was like where you're at there's like 15 freaking tracks within 45 minutes 100 percent, yes in all in i almost want to move to where you are just to do it but <laughs> you just build a house so <laughs> yeah i kind of have to stay here for a little bit <laughs> until the business takes off and then do whatever i want to do which is already happening. There's a couple guys that are 
wanting ceramic coating done and jobs are lining up and I'm about ready to be really, really busy. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I knew it wasn't going to take long. As soon as the word started getting out, you were going to be booked. Yeah, it helps that I know everybody in town, <laughs> too. Well, like, yeah. I've lived here my entire life. So whenever I say that I'm going like, to, it was kind of like when I started cutting grass, I ended up getting a bunch of people that I knew at first. And yeah, it helps whenever you've lived here for, you know, 32 years and developed relationships with literally most of the town at one point or another. So mm-hmm. when they hear or at least see the ad or see my name attached to it, they're going to be like, oh, I know that guy. Like literally at the gym, I just talked to my old football coach about it. And because he was asking me how I've been doing, he hadn't seen me in a long time and all sorts of other stuff. So I said, what are you doing? I was like, just started my own business, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, where's your, you have a card? So I handed him, I keep them in my pocket at all times because you're supposed to. Handed him a card and was like, you need anything? You let me know. He goes like, well. If you work on these the way you worked at football, you you got me. I was like, sold, done, (laughs) win. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm friggin' pumped. I just, I want to do it full time and just go full send, like full, full send. Just drink what I'm drinking right now, 24-7 to C4, just be a crackhead and go to town. It's going to be fun. I actually haven't had one of those in a really long time, so I might have to get one tomorrow just because I haven't had one forever. Really random, but my preference on energy drinks, or at least my rankings, go like this. First form energy, because I'm biased and I love them. They could they could be terrible, I don't know, but to me, they're the best thing in the world because it's my favorite place in the world. So, first form is first. C4 is second because they make the high octane ones as well. And then after that is probably Rowdy because the flavors are pretty good. And then Celsius and then Monster is somewhere on the bottom. See, I've never tried the Celsius either. Oh, they're pretty good. They, uh, what I want to say, um, they don't give you the the gas, is what I was trying to say. As bad as like a monster or something. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't ever really notice much. I just that, I think that, that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, your internet just kind of tanked on us here for a second. It says it's good. I can hear you. I just can't see you. Can you see me now? No, but I mean, your audio is still good, so. Okay. Well, it should come back. That might be a combination of something. I don't know. My thing is plugged in, so. Oh, I can still hear you, so. Okay, it'll come back. Eventually. What if it's your Wi-Fi? <laughs> well, I would say it would be, but it says uh, live video re- will return when their internet improves. Hmm. 
So basically, Riverside is calling you out. Damn it, Riverside. <laughs> you're not supposed to be on his side. I'm leaving this in here, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Oh, you're back. Oh, cool. I can okay. see you again. Well, for those of you that don't know, this is how we usually... This happens at least once a month. So, I don't know. And this yeah. is with a gig of speed. Like, I don't know how that's measured or whatever, but this is supposed to be a gig. The Spectrum Gigabyte. Yeah. But this is all part of remote podcasting. It'd be different if we were sitting in the same room together, but we don't have that luxury. Yeah, but we make it work, so it's okay. So, let's get to racing, man. Um, You got a top five this weekend again which is awesome yeah at, i would say a pretty difficult racetrack to do it on based on what you were saying yeah so i can do a little recap of the weekend so we only ran one night we ran friday night at columbus junction that was actually our plan initially two weeks ago but they ended up raining out at like 11 in the morning and so we went to davenport instead which ended up being a good move because we got third but we figured might as well go down because that was our plans originally. Excuse me. That was our plan originally to go down there. So we decided to go down. Had a pretty good night weather-wise, which was nice. And the track, it uh, we hadn't raced there in 12 years. So that was cool getting to go back there because that's actually where I got my first win in 2011 and so it was cool i got to see a bunch of people i hadn't seen since the last time we raced there yeah but i've always it bums me out a little bit because i really do like that track it's fast it's usually Mm -hmm. really good shape but i'm not trying to talk down on it or to the people that race there because a lot of people that's their home track but there is, there's way too much stuff that gets tore up there that doesn't need to. I'll put it that way. There was a ton of carnage Friday night. Yikes. And that is incredibly frustrating because <clears throat> when we raced there 12 years ago, we, I don't know, we probably ran... I bet the first half of the season down there got a win. And then like a couple weeks after there was a car that was significantly slower than everyone else. And he drove right up under my left rear, lifted the whole rear end of the car off the ground and stuffed us in the wall. Cause the front stretch coming out of turn four down to turn one is all concrete wall. Oh, wow. And stuffed my car into the wall, completely totaled the car. That was 12 years ago. We hadn't been there in 12 years. So I was kind of thinking, well, maybe, maybe people have kind of cleaned it up a little bit. And I try to go into it being very optimistic, thinking that it's going to be a really good night and everything, which we did. We had a good night. We got a top five. So, yeah. But the amount of carnage, I mean, it is just ridiculous. Like it does not need to happen. It was the second race, weekly race of theirs of the year. And there was four cars that got destroyed. Oh, that's no cool. That's not cool at all. 
three of which were in my class in the feature. And it happened right in front of me. But yikes. Yeah. Were they just coming, anyway, how did you miss it? Were they just coming across? Were I was, they already like wrecked? Were they, they were killed by the time you got there, I guess? No, it it literally happened like I was down here on the bottom and it happened like right here. But I was running the tires because I had to start really deep. So I was trying to make up some ground, pass some cars. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing I was running the tires on the bottom because they all got wadded up on the top and went right into the wall. That's we nice. had like a we had like a 20 minute red flag for it. One, all three cars were taken off with a wrecker and the one car was taken off with two wreckers. That just no. So <clears throat> that part of it is incredibly frustrating because like I said, I really do like that track. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of got, it's a special track to me. It's where I got my first career win. So that, that bums me out because it makes me not want to keep going because the risk of getting tore up for no reason is much higher than at several other places. I guess but, not picking but, on any particular driver. What is, is it just like people that are, I don't, I don't know. I don't racing know. too hard or like chastaining people or. I honestly, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just, I just don't know if the guys aren't, I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. I'm really yeah, not. Yeah, I know. It's okay. <laughs> but. I just don't know if the skill of some of the drivers is the same as at other tracks. Well, that'll vary from very, I can't talk. That'll vary from track to track too. You know what I mean? Like, cause you're going to yeah, have, and it, it just, it bothers me because I know how competitive this class is everywhere. Yeah. And it was competitive Friday night too. There's just more, I don't know if it's just inexperience or just lacking a little bit of skill that other drivers at other tracks have or what mm-hmm. there just seems to be more of that lacking there than anywhere else that we've been. And I'm trying to say that as nice as possible because I don't people that I race with, I don't want them thinking that I'm trying to say that they're terrible and shouldn't be racing. I'm just saying that, something's different there and I don't know what it is for what reason, but I haven't seen that much carnage on a weekly race in several years. That sounds really aggressive. (laughs) I mean, it's, it could just be, you know, like if you put me in a car, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you put me in a car, I would be one of those guys because I would know what the hell I'm doing. Like haven't raced around anybody. I don't know how to feel for it. I don't know the things. Maybe it's just a lack of seat time. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, there's a bunch of it at that track. And that very well could be. I don't know. But I just, I kind of have an idea where we're at on a competition level. And I want to continue to race to where the competition is going to be the toughest because that's going to make us better. Mm-hmm. And the the competition there is good like there was there were several really good cars there yeah but there was just enough chaos that i don't want to risk getting completely tore up for no reason 
when we could go race somewhere else where I know that there's a really solid field of cars mm-hmm. that we can have very solid laps racing against really good cars. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's probably just a common thing with short tracks all around. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm yeah. sure that there's places that, for whatever reason, cars just get wadded up. And then there's other places they don't. Just, I, I think... And I mean, I, I saw, I saw pictures on Facebook from the opening night down there. And like, there was pictures of cars wadded up on the opening night. And I'm just like, it made me kind of skeptical anyways. Yeah. And I get like that. I said, nothing against the track, nothing against the facility. The facility's great. All the, the promoters, everything is great down there. The track's usually like spectacular. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to race because it's fast. It's got really long straightaways, tons of yeah. momentum. It's a really fun track. It's just that part of it really bums me out. How uh, how big is the track? You said it was like a three-eighths mile? I think it's like a four-tenths. It's just, it used to be mm-hmm. a half mile a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But they shortened it up at some point in time. Not a lot, but they did sh- bring turn three and four in. Okay. So I'd say it's kind of a tweener. Oh, gotcha. How's so the, I think, what's that? How's the banking? Uh, turn one and two's got pretty good banking. Three and four's a little bit flatter. Oh, okay. But like turns one and two is kind of up against like where there's timber. And then the whole backstretch is actually a levee. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, but besides the chaos and all the carnage, we did have a pretty good night. Uh, we didn't have any pill draw or anything like that. It was just kind of, I don't know if they just went based off of points, how they started everybody. Mm-hmm. But for the for the heat race, we had, what did we have? I think we had 17, or no, 15 or 16 stock cars we had Friday night. But for the heat race, um started basically last i was last row inside and made it all the way up to second had a really good race going on with uh i think i think it was the number 10 car had a really good race with him we were side by side for like three laps i mean we were door to door inches separated for like three laps it was awesome but i wish i was able to get around him faster because the leader pretty much had endless time to get spread out but that finishing second in the heat really didn't do me any justice because they must have done an invert based off of points oh and okay. so that stuffed me all the way back to fourth row outside so started eighth for the feature which that sucks i'm like man we've worked so hard to get a really good finish in the heat race and then i'm still buried deep but <clears throat> the track changed a lot. So in the heat race, the corners were still really tacky and had, they was actually building a cushion. So my car oh, nice. was f- phenomenal up on the top again. Yeah. And that's how I was able to make up so much ground. I could just, I was really the only one going up that high and it just worked really good. And I was watching all the other heat races because they had no intermission in between the heat races and the feature. And I was just watching all of it. And 
I was like, oh, well, the top might still be there because it didn't look like the track was drying out any. Well, the four cylinders went out, did their feature. Then the hobby stocks were out before us. And, dude, I don't know what they had going on. I don't know if there's a bunch of wrecks or what, but there was like, there had to have been six cautions or something. That feature had to have taken like over 30 minutes. Oh, no joke, really? Yeah. No, literally, it probably took, I bet it was all 30, 35 minute race. Because it felt like we sat in staging forever. Well, there was actually a little bit of rain coming in, so the temperature dropped. And I was thinking that was going to help keep the moisture in it. And I was like, that's going to be perfect. The top's going to be really good. I'm starting on the outside. That should work really good for me. Well, the wind Mm -hmm. picked up. The wind got pretty strong, and it dried it right out. Oh, that sucks. It got, So the oh, top. Robert, it got wicked this past weekend here in the Midwest. I don't know what was blowing through, but it was everywhere. It's been like 45 mile an hour wind gusts today. Same. All day yeah. here. But uh, anyways, the turn one and two, it completely blew the top off. I mean, it was, there was nothing left up there. And the track got really dirty, so it was super dusty. Oh, man. It was a dirty, dry, slick track, so about the only, I could kind of go like a lane down from the top and turn one and two and make that work okay, go down to the bottom and just didn't have enough drive. I mean, I could come in and gain ground on entry, but just didn't have enough meat on the bottom to make the pass work, but we had a caution right away after like three laps. And this one car, he, right away, I'm like the second lap, I thought they were going to wad it up in front of me going down the backstretch. This guy came in and just like drove right over the left front of my nose. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, I was like, what? Dude, it's the second lap. What are we doing? And then, because since he clipped the left front part of my nose it ripped some of the rivets out and I, it didn't affect the car or anything, but since he clipped me a little bit, he was completely sideways in front of me going down the back stretch. And then he hit the car in front of him and they were squirrely all over the place. I was like, this is just not good. Yikes. And then so you had to let out, I'm assuming. Oh yeah. Back off. Yeah. Cause I thought he was going to spin out in front of me. That sucks. So you had a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, I mean, I was... what I'm getting out of this. I was already up to sixth at that point, I think. And then we had a caution, someone spun out or something. Well, that guy, his whole nose just came off. Like, it was laying up on the on the oh, levee, wow. on the backstretch. That's so aggressive. Well, he used it up. <laughs> yeah, clearly. So then yeah. we had that caution right away at, like, three laps, and then we got... St- re-racked and went again and then i was on the bottom and turned three and four trying to make some more ground up and Mm -hmm. that's when those three cars got all wadded up right into the wall and then we had like a 20 minute red flag at least and we had i think we were like six or seven laps in and then we're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and i must have had a rock or a really 
hard dirt clod fall down behind my back and in my seat. It felt like I was sitting up against the head of a bolt that would be mounted to the back of the seat, but it wasn't. It, dude, it hurt. No. It hurt so bad. I could not get it to move. <laughs> and I didn't want to undo my belts because I didn't know how soon we were going to take off because where I was sitting, I couldn't really tell yeah. if they got everything cleaned up yet or not. And so that was painful. But after the red flag, we got rolling again. I passed a couple more cars and pretty much rode in fifth there. Us, our whole top five, we all just went up to the top and were single file. And there were several times that I would throw her down in on the bottom and I would get up to be in line with like third. And then they would just, I just didn't have enough coming off the bottom, coming out of the corner to where I couldn't yeah. successfully pass those two cars. But otherwise it was pretty clean race. And after that we were single file on the top and I'd reel them in, in a couple laps, try to pass them on the bottom. And then they'd get me coming off and that's yeah, pretty much no bite pretty much there. how it went. I could reel them in really quick on the top, but to pass them, down low i just i couldn't make it work so ended up with fifth yeah so one of the, then, you still got a top five you didn't get yeah the car didn't get killed it's the most important no. thing right yeah. there yeah and you can go on to the next week and get a w so there you go yeah but i'm gonna no, keep putting two, that out there and it's gonna happen two top fives in two weeks that's pretty good i mean if it probably would have been a little different story if i didn't have to start so deep See, that's what I'm saying. Like, it sounds like you had the top groove pretty much figured out. And, you know, maybe if given enough time, usually it does work out where you can actually get enough bite at least one time going down on the bottom right. to get around one car or two cars right. or whatever. Right. But and since it got it, since it blew off and dried out like that and it got super crummy and dusty. Yeah. Like where the top was working in three and four. Since I was not up front, I was in all that dirty air, literally dirty. Yeah, yeah that's I, not I, a... I couldn't. I had to. I had to really shallow my entry up because I couldn't see. I couldn't see coming into the corner. I didn't. So I could not tell where the top groove was until I was there. Yeah. See, that's why so I. You had to back way off early so you didn't throw it because there's no wall in turn three and four. Right. It's just you go over the hill and then you're in the grass. So that that probably cost me some time because I mean I had to I had to let out like two car lengths earlier than I would be if I was in clean air. Mm-hmm. But well, otherwise, I mean the car, car was working good. There was a few. If we would have known it was going to dry out the way it did, we could have made a couple changes and it would have been much better. But I mean, oh, yeah, it, for sure. we didn't ex- didn't expect that hobby stock race to take 40 minutes or whatever it was. And then we weren't expecting a 20 minute red flag either. So yeah. I'm surprised with all that. Like, I just call it dry time with all that in between. That's like an hour, you know, figure, give or take an hour in between. I'm surprised they didn't wet the trap track back down. Well, they were trying to get the show rolling because there was rain coming. Oh, makes sense. But but the classes didn't seem to help keep the show rolling. 
no, evidently not. It sounds like a, a truck race, you know, a short track race with the truck series. Yeah. There's just caution, 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 dive bomb, caution, just carnage everywhere. Yeah. But overall, good night. I mean, we got really solid laps. Car was fast. It just, yeah. when you start deep, it makes it really hard. But this weekend's going to be really fun. We're going to West Liberty. West Liberty's will probably always be one of my favorite tracks. This is the second dirt track I ever raced at in cars. And I just, it's a big, fast half mile. I, I don't know why. I've just always loved that place. So, and Johnny Spa is actually getting his car done. That's going to be his first night out. So Sweet. that'll be my first time, first time racing with Johnny since, I don't know, like 2013 or something. That's awesome. So you've been talking about this for like two weeks now. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. So, I just, I just want to beat him. Well, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that way you can have him back on the show and be like, Hey, by the way, you know, but he, uh, <laughs> he's a master of that track. Like oh, he sure. is, he is fast every single time he's there. He's so, got, he's got how many years experience on probably everybody. And then some, well, yeah, today's Plus actually his birthday. Is it really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, happy birthday, Mr. Spa. That's freaking cool. Yep. He's going racing for his birthday this weekend. That is too cool. I just hope I can beat him so I can tell him happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> With the peace sign hanging out the door. <laughs> but No, that's going to be fun because we always pit with them guys. We always used to. So that'll be fun getting to pit next to him again. And I just, I love cool. West Liberty. That track's so much fun. How's the, is the, like, how's the banking there? So it's a half mile. Is it like high banking or? No, no, no. It's, it's pretty low banking i mean turn one and two's got a little but not much so west liberty it's a really unique track so one and two's like really wide mm -hmm. and it's got a little bit of banking not much and then the back stretch it really isn't a straight straightaway like it's kind of west liberty's kind of a d shape almost oh really the backstretch kind of has an arc to it. Not anything crazy, but just a little bit. And then turn three and four is a little bit tighter. It's not quite as wide and sweeping as one and two. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really flat. Like, there's hardly any banking over there. But it's just... So fun. It's just bad fast. That track is so much fun. But it's it's so unique. Like, both ends are completely different. In turn one and two, there's a bunch of trees. So it's shaded. Yeah. Three and four is not. It's wide open. There's no trees, no shade. It's just direct sunlight. So. See, that would be, that would make setup and then racing pretty interesting because <clears throat> that's going to be slick. Like. Yeah. And I mean, I've. going to be a much drier. I've seen West Liberty about every possible f way it could be. And I mean, it's always really good racing. It just. It can get really wide, and you can do a lot of passing. Yeah. Turns turns one and two gets pretty wild because there's old, I think there's old drainage tile that goes under the track in turn one. Mm -hmm. And it's always had a soft spot, so there's always a hole going into turn one. Oh. <laughs> it's been there forever. Like, it's it's always there. 
<laughs> and hot lap <laughs> found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it, it can be bad fast. If there's a little bit of moisture in it and you can get a cushion build up up top, I mean, it freaking rips when you're up top. That's that, that's what I'm saying. Like half mile, that's big for a dirt track. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not a big half mile guy. I just, I don't know why. I just, I've always preferred the three eighths miles. I think they produce the best racing, but there's just something about that half mile West Liberty that once you race it once, you're like, yeah, I, I want to race that again. Yes. That sounds like a blast. Well, hopefully so, this week you get that, get another, you know, W top three, something awesome. Most of all, hopefully you beat Johnny. And that way you can say that way that next time my, he's on the show, you can give him shit. <laughs> that is my goal that I want to beat Johnny at least one time this year. Is he going to be racing more? Yeah. I don't know how much of his schedule he'll really have this year. Cause I mean, he's so busy with the chassis building business. Like, yes, we're six races in and he just got a right side put on his car since he raced in Vegas, like in November. That's freaking wild. It's amazing yeah. how fast time goes by. Because I feel like he was just on the show, and it was already I, I November, know. and it's May. It, has somebody had to explain to me today that it was May 1st. I was like, what? What? I know. No, it's I not. Know it. But, no, we, uh, there's actually a three-race series that we're going to go run with him up in northwest Iowa. I think it's... I think it's July 26th, 27th, and 29th. It's a Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Nice. So that, it's a little drive from home. So, I mean, we'll spend the whole week up there. But, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a Salute to the Veterans series. It's just a little three-race mini-series that they do. I guess they get a bunch of cars, get pretty good crowds, and they do some cool stuff for the veterans, too. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. And we got... Um, some family up there in Northwest Iowa. So that'd be cool for them to get to come watch me race. So that sounds like a fun. blast. Oh yeah. Season just started. There's a lot of racing to do. I know it's May 1st and we've already ran more races than I ran last year. So see, that's just wild. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I just think it's cool. I just love talking about it because it just, it, I don't know what talking about that kind of stuff just gets me rowdy and ready to go do stuff like because part of selfishly part of the reason for owning my own thing is to fund a potential race team and or have people race for me to give them a shot like just because not everybody gets it. I didn't I, I love this stuff just to mm-hmm. give them a shot and see what they can do like either have it or you don't. And yeah, no, see, and it dri- it literally drives me nuts that I don't know <laughs> whether <laughs> you know I can actually because I feel like I'm a pretty good driver, but I could also be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I don't it, know. It's it's one of those things you literally don't know until you do it. So yeah, closest thing that I've ever come to doing it is uh, when we went and did the sim at PRI. Yeah, that was it. You were actually starting to figure it out too, which yeah. 
was pretty impressive because the midget on iRacing is probably one of the hardest cars to drive on there, let alone at the Chili Bowl track on iRacing. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah, it was a pain in the ass <laughs> to try to. Well, I had no idea like how the throttle was going to work. Well, that sounds stupid. I had no idea how um, sensitive the throttle was, so throttle input. I had no idea how that was going to work. I had no idea how the steering input was going to work. If you needed to be sideways or, you know, do whatever to get the car to, you know, kick out like it's supposed to. And the first, I want to say five laps, I was just like kind of riding around trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like most race cars, the harder you drive them, the easier they are to drive. As crazy as that sounds, it's true. Like, I'm starting to find that out now. I've been racing my whole life, and I'm still not good at doing that. (laughs) Well, like, I, I was so nervous the first few races with this car because they have no side bite. Yeah, it's a big car. Yeah, it has no side bite. So, I mean, I was driving in straight as an arrow because I didn't want to hang the tail out and loop it out. But it was causing me to get incredibly tight in the middle of the corner. But now that we're six races in, I'm starting to know how hard I can throw it in the corner. Like the one guy I was racing in the heat race actually called Johnny because he has one of Johnny's cars. I didn't know that. And he was just asking him. He was asking him some questions about it. <laughs> I guess the guy was like, that guy in that 22 car is freaking crazy. He said, we never touched or anything, but he would throw that thing in there like a sprint car. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I wanted to pass you really bad. Well, I mean, the only thing, so like dirt racing, the only thing I can compare it that I know, like I know how to back road really, really well and drive. <laughs> trucks in ways that they're not meant to be driven and dirt racing is kind of like getting something really big to me when i finally figured it out on the sim i was like oh when i get the back end to hang out i'm actually much faster so it's kind of like driving a big old truck going around you know on dirt where you're not supposed to be doing stuff or on asphalt when it's kind of slick you get the ass end to hang out and start to throttle up through the center of the corner a little Mm -hmm. bit and it works really well that way so when I started well, doing dirt that, racing, the lap time started to get faster. Yeah. Well, dirt racing, the rear the rear end is so much steer of the car. That's why they call it rear steer. Mm-hmm. Now, like late models and modifieds that run a four-link rear end, that's why when you see the car, when they're on the gas and they're all hiked up, the left front or the left rear tire creeps so far forward. Mm-hmm because that whole rear end is actually twisting. So the left rear is actually ahead of the right rear and that's the rear steer of the car. Yeah. And like even these stock cars, they do the same thing when they hike up. Granted it's trailing arm suspension instead of the four link, which I'm not going to go into the specs of it because it's confusing as hell. And I don't want to try and <laughs> sound like a rambling moron trying to oh, explain well, it. Well, <laughs> but, not, ex- not, not hard to explain. yeah but i mean i think trailing arms was more confusing to me like oh it's trailing arms way more way more simple because it's like the factory car you have four arms you have four arms that go from the rear end to the frame and that's it yeah the four link rear end you got 
you got upper and lower arms on the left rear. You got a lift bar. I mean, there's, you got there's a, a J bar. Yeah. There's a lot. You I got said bird that cages. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, but these stock cars, they do the same thing. When they, when you get on the gas, the rear end of the car lifts up and the left mm-hmm. rear kind of tracks forward. Not anything like a four link rear end, but it does track forward a little bit. And that helps steer the car because you'll hear dirt guys always talking about you want to keep it up on the bars. Well, when you keep the car up on the bars, the rear end is steering and it's helping you keep that car handling the way it wants to. Because if you upset the car and completely let off the gas and you let it drop down and settle, it upsets the car and that's how you get a really bad push or it'll get super tight on you because the car's not turning like it's supposed to. And that's just, yeah. And that's just something I've been really struggling to grasp with this car because I'm, I know how a four link feels. Mm -hmm. I have several years of experience with a four link car and I know how to just easily roll out of the throttle and trail brake to keep it up on the bars. Well, you can kind of do the same thing in the stock car, but it doesn't travel as much. No. And those four link cars have a shit ton of side bite. (laughs) Oh yeah. This car does not. So I'm starting to learn where that fine line is, how hard you can throw it in the corner and you still have something to lean on. Yeah. There's a, I don't know. There's a, there's a saying that I love to hear. It's slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That is so a great saying. I I live by that because everybody's always in a hurry to do everything, and mm-hmm. whenever you actually just kind of um, take a breath, slow the process down, and this can go for anything, like literally anything. Yeah. Slow the process down, take a breath, and then get after it again. <laughs> you'll find that no matter what it is, you're getting better and faster because Mm -hmm. you're just taking your time to, in a sense, taking your time to learn it instead of just like throw yourself into it. And I've really been enjoying the races lately that like I can, I can be running inches apart from these guys completely sideways in the corner and never touch. Like, I don't know what it is about that. That is so much fun. But you can make yeah. a clean pass out of that, but you're literally running like that guy I was running against in the heat race, mm-hmm. like his left front tire, his car was pretty radical. It needed to be tamed down a little bit, but his left front was hiked way up in the air. Like we wow. were side by side by like inches. I could see his left front just slowly tap my right front fender. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But Is I mean, it? we, we really never touched. So one of my favorite, and this was in Ford versus Ferrari too. Isn't it amazing how whenever you speed up, time slows down. It's really weird. And then all of a sudden your vision, you don't get tunnel vision either. You go from like what would be tunnel vision when you're going a little bit slower to you see everything. The world opens up. And like when I'm driving down the interstate, I can pinpoint and pick out at 95 miles an hour, allegedly that, like classic cars are over like way over in the distance in people's driveways and shit that i would never see if i was just doing 30 i don't know how why what that is but whatever you're like whenever you're racing 
time slows down as you speed up. And your well, vision net just goes wide open. Yeah, and that's why that's why most drivers they don't realize how fast you're going until you actually get out of the car and watch the cars from like a spectator's point of view. Yeah. You have no idea how fast you're going. No. Not a clue. Because when you're out there everyone's going this you're all going roughly the same speed, so Yeah. It it's not it's, that different. But then when you normal. watch it from the stands, you're like, Whoa. <laughs> like we were freaking ripping. Holy shit. <laughs> It's like the first time I ever watched, I've seen several midget races before mm-hmm. and I knew they were fast, but after actually racing with the national guys and then watching a national show, I'm like, damn, we are getting with the program out there. Yeah. Like, I'm, like- <laughs> I, I remember asking my dad and my girlfriend, I'm like, are we actually going that fast out there? And they're like, yeah, you are. <laughs> It seemed, well, like at the, whenever you could see, whenever we were, the only experience I really have is the sim and shit that I've Mm -hmm. allegedly done on back roads and in, you know, fields and. Everything is allegedly. Yeah. We're not going there because I'll get in trouble, but. (laughs) So at least on the sim, whenever, um, after we got off the simulator, you could see the replay, um, on a different screen. And that guy, I didn't realize it like what you said i didn't realize that i was actually going that fast after i got mm-hmm. used to it and whenever that guy pulled up times from previous races and was like yeah you would qualify for the i main i don't know what that is but it sounds good to me i was like cool sweet yeah i'll take that all day long i didn't <laughs> put it in the wall every lap kept it straight most of the time and yeah so there we go but yeah, this it's, is it's it why is i want to do crazy how that works that's why I want to do the SCCA, like the road, the road racing type of stuff, because I don't know. I, I just have a gut feeling that after, you know, a little bit of trial and error with a truck or a car or whatever, that I'm going to be pretty fast. I don't think it'll take you long at all, to be honest no. with you. Because it's the most familiar thing to me, um, just from doing shit all the time that you're probably not supposed to do. I used to. This is allegedly again, and I probably should say this, but I'm going to anyways. When I worked at a place like 35 miles south of here, there's another um, road that you can take to get to my house. It's all back road. And I would get out of work early on some Fridays because they'd let you work through lunch or whatever. And I get out of work early on Friday and I would go. I had a blue Chevy Cruze, uh, 1.8 liter. But it had the slapstick in it. So at some sometimes it felt like a little race car. So on Fridays, I would go to the gas station and let, I usually kept it at about 40 PSI because better gas mileage on the highway. I would drop it down to about 28 per tire because I knew I was going to be hot riding and that pressure would build up. Because Allegedly. It, yeah, in the tire pressure <laughs> monitoring system. So I, I knew how much pressure it was going to build up. So I'd let about 12 to 15 pounds out of each tire and just go fucking ripping down that road what would be a 35 minute drive took all of 18 to 22 minutes depending on if i got behind somebody else allegedly this may or may not have ever happened but it's why i want to do road racing because i'm already used to it like kind of in a sense not in an actual car but you know it's the closest thing that i got yeah well i mean it's kind of no different than when i used to 
allegedly drive kind of wild in high school on the gravel roads. I lived in Springville my whole life, but went to school in Lisbon throughout high school and my senior year. I had the first couple hours of the day open, so I didn't have to be to school till like nine, ten o'clock. Well, I still had to take my sister to school because she hadn't turned 16 yet. And it's like a 20 minute drive. If you go all the way through Mount Vernon into Lisbon or whatever from Springville. Yeah. Well, I allegedly made it from Springville and had my sister dropped off to school in 10 minutes. <laughs> allegedly. She wasn't late. But hey, That's sometimes, awesome. sometimes the gravel roads were just a shortcut. Yeah. I mean, that's all they are, right? I don't plan to ever try and allegedly break that record again. <laughs> uh, no. I, there's a lot of shit that I used to do that I don't plan on doing again. Because just like Beavis and Butthead, that breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> Eventually, you test that theory enough, it's going to happen. Like, oh, something's yeah. going to happen. But no, I think that's gonna be freaking awesome, dude. I, I bet, I bet you'll catch on to it pretty quick, and it's just gonna come down to learning how to set them up. I mean, that's facts. That's how it is. Anybody can learn how to drive. It's just you got to learn how to set them up. The chassis setup was always my favorite part of the racetrack because it's. I don't know. I I like getting. I like diving down deep into problems like that and trying to figure it out. Like, okay, we take mm-hmm. half a pound of air pressure out of the right rear. All right, cool. We do half a turn of wedge. All right, cool. We lower the track bar, raise the track bar. Like, what kind of springs do we have in the front? What pound springs we got in the front? What do we got in the rear? Like, what shock mm-hmm. package do we have? I'm not going to claim to know anything about the shock package at all because that confuses the shit out of me. But I knew when there was an issue with the shocks, or at least that, that would have that was the root mm-hmm. cause of the problem. So we would go to Penske and say, Hey, we need to come look at these and, you know, see what you think based on the track data, the temperature, what we got our setup at and stuff like that. And they'd be like, Oh, you need this series. And I'd be like, I just stick my thumb up and be like, sweet. I don't know how you just figured that out, but whatever wizardry that is, you can keep it good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's just kind of how my brain works. For me to be a better driver, I like knowing what change does what. Mm-hmm. Facts. Like there's there's several guys out there that they'll just say they'll just say, "Oh well, I'm I'm loose coming in, but tight in the middle, and I have nothing coming off." Well, then their crew guys know what to go change, and those that driver, a lot of them could care less what that change was, as long as they make the change to make it feel better for them. That's what they like. Yeah. I don't operate that way. I write down yeah. everything. I want to know what changes we made, what the track was like, what the car felt like, everything. I I want to know so when it comes again to that situation, I know exactly what I need to do. Yeah. And there's no fiddle fucking around with doing a whole bunch of stuff and guessing and everything else. Because chances are, <clears throat> at least if the track conditions are similar, you can set it up. You can mm-hmm. use that baseline, which is the, the key to everything. You can use that baseline and then adjust off of the baseline, depending on how the car feels or the truck, whatever yeah. you're, whatever you're doing. And 
and I mean nothing against the younger guys coming up, but there's there's several younger drivers now that they don't know any of that. Well, and and they don't. A lot of them don't care to really know that either. Well, it's just that I don't know. It's all in how you're taught. That's all to me. Mm-hmm. That's all of every last bit of that. If they don't know what they don't know, that's on whoever was supposed to teach them. Like if it's their parents, mm-hmm. grandparents, people who built the car, whatever. I feel like you should know, just like what they preached on Ford and Ferrari. And I'm going to keep going back to that because it's all fresh in my brain right now. That the, the Ken knew the car inside, outside, in between, underneath the whole freaking mm-hmm. thing. So he could push it. He could do whatever he needed to do to make it to go as fast as possible. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he needed. He knew how the car needed to feel, why it needed to feel that way, and how to adjust to make it comfortable for him to drive. And just keep mm-hmm. getting better that way. And he knew uh, it. There's also some basic things that I feel like drivers should know. So, like in the movie, he was talking about the car wanted to take off like an airplane at 140 miles an hour initially whenever they got the Ford GT and he went and test drove it. You're supposed mm-hmm. to, you should have a feel for the car and know why the definite, you should know the definition of why it feels that way. So, if it's tight through the center, you should know, okay, maybe this is me. And then maybe the driver can make an adjustment or, Mm -hmm. okay, this is actually the car. There's a big difference between the two because you can always keep, you know, just wrenching on the car, wrenching on the car, wrenching on the car. But if it's a driver and he don't know what he's doing, that's, that's a problem. You're, you cannot adjust for that. Just like you can't outwork a bad diet. It's the same concept. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, I got an example of that too, just within the last few weeks, like I was having a really hard time getting super tight in the middle of the corner. A lot mm-hmm. of that was me. I wasn't driving it in hard enough, but I come to find out, I started asking questions to other people. Like I added a few more turns of rear brake. Problem solved. Interesting. What did the rear, so we can get nerdy for a second. What did the rear brake do that helped that? I think it helped get the tail end to slide out a bit. Because like, and I was, some of it was just me not knowing how these cars handle. Right. But like getting feedback from Johnny on where a good baseline is to start. Mm-hmm. He told me to, the first time I got in the car, to go find a big grass area and see how much variation I had between front and rear brake. Well, you would get the car, get some heat in the brakes first so everything's yeah. working. Well, you would speed up a little bit and have the brake adjuster cranked all the way to the front. Mm-hmm. And when you slam on the brakes, the car will stop nice and straight and square. Right. And then if you crank it all the way to the rear and you speed it up and slam on the brakes, the car will want to spin out on you. Gotcha. That way, that, that way you know how much variation you have between front and rear brake. And I did that, and I found a spot. I went to where he told me to start, and that's kind of where I kept it. And then he had told me like when the track starts getting really slick, he likes running a bunch of front brakes. A lot of the times he's all the way to the front. Well, I was trying that at Marshalltown and it was killing me in the middle. Right. Well, when we, when we went to Davenport, obviously the track was much heavier and way more, way more grip than Marshalltown had because Marshalltown was black and dry slick. Well, Davenport was not, it was wet and heavy but I went more towards the rear 
and when I touched the brakes, I mean, the car felt perfect. And then That's even, so cool. and then even the other night at Columbus Junction, when the track started to slick off, I, uh, well, before the heat race, I went a couple more turns towards the rear to where I was starting at. Right. And to clarify, and just if, in case, real quick, just to clarify in case anybody doesn't understand what he's saying right now, tell me if I'm wrong too, by the way. He's talking about turning the rear brake pressure up in a sense. Yes. So that the rear brakes are outperforming the front brakes. Yes. It's yes. exactly the opposite of what you have on a passenger car. So in any passenger car, your brakes are usually set up to where about 65, 60 to 65% of the braking is done by the front brake pads versus the mm-hmm. rear. So that's mm-hmm. why you get a little bit of lean forward whenever you're coming to a stop sign. What he's talking about is having that percentage in the back of the car. So mm-hmm. that the tail end comes around on him a little bit whenever he's going into a corner. So if you stab the brake, like what you're saying, the ass mm-hmm. end of the car is coming around and helping you steer. Yep. It it takes a little bit of having to try and turn it with the throttle. Yeah. Because these cars don't have that much horsepower. So you can still throttle turn them. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by throttle turning it is if you're in the corner and you're tight, you can just mash the throttle and it'll start to bring the tail end of the car out. Yeah. Well, these cars don't have, yeah. I mean, these, these cars don't have a ton of horsepower, so that's a lot more difficult to do. But like I was saying at Columbus Junction, I went a couple more to the rear for the heat race and it felt really good. And in the feature, I think I just went one turn back the other direction towards the front because I didn't want to have too much rear brake if it started slicking off. Well, when I noticed how slick it was, I was curious since we had a chance to, with another caution, I went back that one turn back to where I was towards the rear. And when I would trail brake in the corner, I mean, it in turn one and two, it felt like I was on a slot, like a slot car. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I could just, I could just <laughs> barely, barely ride the brake. And I mean, the car just felt like it stuck and that worked really well for me. So, and it's all driver preference it's how everybody feels comfortable in the car but i'm starting to notice that a little bit more rear brake is helping me that doesn't help everybody but so far it seems to be making a difference for me and it's that's that's just part of the part of the learning curve and the experience just learning how these things work yeah but it's one of those things like you were saying that's you don't know what you don't know yeah, and 100%. You just got to learn stuff. And the other thing that I was thinking of is I just heard a quick little clip from the Kenny Wallace show. I don't know if you've seen any of those lately, but they're awesome. <laughs> uh, he's one of my favorite people. Um, just yes. like in, in in the racing world, Kenny Wallace is one of my favorite people. Yeah. From Well, getting... he just... Go ahead. I was going to say, I got to... It's a weird scenario, but whenever I worked at the classic car place, we tried doing like a uh, a YouTube series. And so they hired Kenny Wallace to come in and do the series with him, which was pretty cool. So Kenny Wallace would walk in and do his thing. And we only did a couple episodes, but I got to like 
actually talk to him for more than you mm-hmm. know twenty seconds, like what you normally would. And the guy's just awesome. Just oh, he's su- he's super, super cool, super intelligent. You can talk to him about anything. He will definitely, just like he does on his shows, give you his opinion, which you better be ready for if you're not, you know, worse than that yet. So (laughs) if you go talk to him, it's the same. It's that he's the same way. He's allowed. He's just the same person. And I just think that's so Mm -hmm. cool because it means that's authentic, which Mm -hmm. is nice. It's not like the showboating thing that you get online and then he's a dick. And then in theory, he's a dick in real life. No, it's not like that at all. Same person. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Super nice says things that make people kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but it's funny. And I'm like, this is amazing. It is. It's hilarious. <laughs> or just call but, people out on their shit, which is yeah. even better. But he, uh, he posted a little quick clip from uh, his interview with Tony Stewart. And he was kind of talking to Tony about the drag race and stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I think it was the, no, I'm sorry. It was not the Kenny Wallace show. It was his uh, Dale Jr. download episode. Oh, okay. That means I've heard it then. Yeah. Um, he was talking. Yeah. I did see the clip with Kenny Wallace, but it was a different conversation. I just happened to listen to both today. So oh, for yeah, some reason, it- the Kenny Wallace ones came to mind. But mm-hmm. he was talking to Junior about the drag race and stuff. And like if he was ever going to run the nitro cars at some point in time. Mm-hmm. The top fuel cars. And he said after testing his wife Leah's car a couple times and he was doing the over 300 mile an hour like passes, he couldn't feel the tires spinning, but the tires were spinning. Yeah. And he said that he's like, I have no business driving that car if I cannot tell that the tires are spinning when the tires are spinning. Yeah, well, he and that that goes back too. to the point you were making about like the drivers need to have some sort of knowledge of what they're feeling or what they what that feel is that they need to explain. And that was a really good example of that. He knew that he couldn't tell that the wheels were spinning, but they were. Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, I don't need to be running one of these because I don't know what I'm doing." And he he said verbatim that on the show pretty much which i thought was you don't hear drivers that are you know like him that often say i can't drive it like i I, I have no business driving that thing he said that Mm -hmm. he didn't know what happened his brain doesn't work fast enough basically to comprehend what the hell happened in Mm 3.2 seconds which is totally fine because you're going 330 miles an hour in a straight line Mm -hmm. i wouldn't know what the hell was going on either I know a lot of other people wouldn't. That is a that is a gift. I don't know how those guys see, feel, hear what they do, you know, that fast. Like those cars are hateful. That's a different level of horsepower. You guys think oh, yeah. that we talk about them putting, you know, nine hundred horsepower back in the cup cars almost every week now. Those cars are running close to ten thousand horsepower. I didn't I'm not making it up. Like they're somewhere around 10 and they, it takes, it might even be more than that. I went low just because I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. But it's somewhere I don't around either. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And they run such a serious setup that like if they sit, I, I loved this because it reminded me of uh, doing the clutch stuff. Um, he was talking about 
how whenever um, they're going to the staging lanes, it's like driver mm-hmm. etiquette to get through it a little bit quicker mm-hmm. so that your car doesn't do weird things, doesn't get too hot just sitting there staging. Because when it gets too hot, it locks up the clutch too soon. It does all kinds of shit. You blow off the rear tires is what he was talking about. And mm-hmm. I just, I hadn't heard that in a long time. And it brought back so many memories from working at the clutch place. So I was like, dang, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, he's right. That, mm-hmm. that, that uh, eight pack disc or however many it is now will literally mm-hmm. just fuse together. It becomes a solid unit. And yeah, it does it too fast. It blows off the rear tires. It's like a calculated weld. I don't even, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Mm-hmm. Freaking crazy what it does. But that's what the conversation on the Kenny Wallace show was, was the driver etiquette. That's what it was. Oh, really? Yeah, because Kenny actually shared a tweet today after the race about how drivers don't confront each other anymore or whatever. Yeah. He well, shared that little clip. Uh, what's his, what but that's what his that name was. again? Brennan Poole? That's what it is. Brennan Poole got Chastain hardcore today in the race. and. It got Dover got rained out yesterday because there was like some terrible mm-hmm. weather going through Delaware, and I don't even know what point of the race it was because I didn't get to watch it. Um, I just it's like lap eighty one. Oh, he's first a, stage. Yeah, he's a dick. Um, he just punts Brendan Poole out of the way, like just punts. I, I'm not talking there. His don't give a fuck tour, like what they say on the door bumper clear show. Full swing. In that moment, right there, he just—I mean, he full-on full freight train ran him over. Yeah, and he took out Kyle Larson in the in the mix too, who was running, I think, top ten at the time or something. He had started. I think they said he started like fifteenth or whatever, and he had already made it up. He was already up to like tenth or fifth or something. Like he was on a charge. He was one of the fastest cars. Like he probably would have won today, but he was already committed to the top when Ross completely ran Brennan Poole over mm-hmm. and when Brennan Poole was spinning out on the apron, his car shot back up to the, up the track as Larson was already committed to the top and had nowhere to go. Yeah. So completely destroyed probably the fastest car today for no damn reason. No, just cause he was there. Like that's not what you do. I don't care if, he's a lap down or like slow or whatever. That's just not, that's just not what you do. You don't just punt people out of the way for no reason. That's just not cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how long these guys are going to tolerate Ross doing stuff like that because it doesn't, he just says, I got to get better. I'm sorry. I need to get better. Well, Well, dude, we're like a year and a half into this. Well, and it didn't start here. Like, is the thing? No, it was. He was like this with. I think he was. Who was he? He was with Ganassi, wasn't he? For a year or yeah. so before. Yes, I believe so. Before the whole um, buyout happened, and then he got moved out of the car, and that's why he's in the car he's in now, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, it's been like that for a while, and you know, you just it's like. I use Kyle Busch as an example. He used to be kind of the same way. He would just do stupid shit for no reason. Mm-hmm. And it took him when he finally stopped doing that, he won a ton of races and then he started to pick up championships. So mm-hmm. it's almost like 
when you stop racing like an asshole, good things happen. Well, and like Ross came on the radio right away and said, I did not mean to do that. How do you misjudge it that much? I don't know. I'm, and maybe just giving him the benefit of the doubt for a second. Maybe Poole checked up for some weird reason and he just punted him into the wall because it was such a swing in speeds that he can't like slow down for it. I don't know, but that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I mean, by the way, the replay looks, it does not look like that happened at all. No, I don't see anywhere where, because usually like he had a car on the outside of him too. I think it was Austin Dillon. Um, Yeah. He had completely changed. They were battling for position. Yeah. Yeah, him and Austin were battling for position. Yeah, and just (laughs) get out of the way. (laughs) Yep. I just, I don't get that. I don't think, that's not how, and it's like that in all of the series almost right now. It's, there's, there does not seem to be, like if you had done, so if you had done that, like what Tony Stewart talked about on the, junior download like when he was a rookie and stuff like that if you'd have done that in the early 2000s when you had the hierarchy in the garage was like gordon earnhardt those guys mark mark martin and all them guys yeah jeff burton all those guys were in the cup series at that time they would pull you off to the side and just be like hey i'm gonna allow that once you do it again you're done like stop it we will make your life a living hell and that's it. That's not the way we do things. I think that's what, and we're losing, what sucks is this year we're losing one of the big guys that does that, Kevin Harvick. So he's mm-hmm. he won't be in the garage next year. And he's talked about that before. He goes up to these guys and tries to talk to them, and they just, nothing happens. They just don't care. There's not enough, there's not enough drivers that race the way that they used to, which was clean, fun, and fast, by the way, which was cool. Most of the time they would get into each other and do things and, you know, it's inevitable that's going to happen. But there was also a rule, like a driver etiquette that they would all follow and they knew how to follow it. And it was passed on to certain guys. And those guys are now leaving. Um, Mm -hmm. Who in the hell is going to fill their shoes that has the pull in the garage to be able to stop these guys from driving like asshats? In, in, in and I mean, series. and it's even happened at the local level too. Like I've, I've noticed it even since I started racing. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a young kid, and I would go up and talk to other drivers if I didn't like what they did. That's what you got to do. Like, I mean, I wasn't ever there to try and fight anybody. I just wanted to tell them, like, hey, why the hell did you do that? Why, why did you punt me whenever there was no reason to? And I've been, I've had my ass chewed by several other drivers before because I was the easy man, easy man out. I was the target because I was the young kid. I got screamed at several times, but that's part of it. That's why if I have to go talk to somebody, I will. I mean, I don't, I don't like to anymore because everybody thinks you're there trying to fight them. Yes. They immediately think you're trying to fight them. I'm like, 
No, I just was coming to tell you that I really did not appreciate what you did. And they're like, we'll fight, bro. Take off your hat. I mean, it's straight up. They just go straight to wanting to fight. I'm like, I don't. Everybody I don't want to. No. Everybody goes from zero to 100 so fast. Just chill. Calm down for a second and be like, it, it, you know, it doesn't have to end with fists, but, you know, somebody swings at me, I'm going to defend myself. Like, that's right. That's but just the way it is. I, like, but I'm going to, like, if somebody, so theoretically, hypothetically speaking, so if I was in your shoes and somebody dinged me in the door, or did something I didn't like, I would calmly walk up to them after the race and be like, hey man, what happened? Like, did you get loose? Somebody underneath you? Like, I didn't appreciate getting dinged. Like, now we got to go fix the car and stuff like that. Like, what happened? And it is getting incredibly difficult to have that conversation with anybody anymore. It's getting because difficult. they do. They do. They just go straight to that that means you're there to fight him. No, yeah. I'm not. Well, I don't I don't know what happened, but for whatever reason, you cannot talk to majority of younger people that way. I don't know, and I'm not saying they're bad people or anything like that. I'm just saying what I've noticed. And anytime you try to go to have a conversation with somebody like that, even at the warehouses that I've worked at or, you know, places I've been and blah 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 blah. If you go up to somebody that, if you go up to somebody telling them they did something wrong, they are ready to punch you in the nose. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You, I know you fuck this up, own it and get better. There's no other thing that needs to happen here. I know it's terrible. I just, my brain doesn't work that way. If somebody, I had this happen today. I made a comment on a post that, um, for, you know, where I work that wasn't 100% correct because I, I don't know. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I got called out for it. Somebody texted me and was like, Hey man, I love that you're, you you were like 85% correct on this, but we need to switch the back half of the sentence around so that it sounds like this. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I went and did it. That was the end of the story. Didn't walk up to, you know, that person. I'm not going to say their name because there's no point. Didn't walk up to him like, hey, man, what do you mean I fucked up? You want to fight? You want to go? Let's go out back. Clock out. I'm ready. No, you don't do that crap. I, I know. it. It's terrible, man. You just freaking, you, you own it. Like, I did it. Something I wasn't supposed to. I did something not 100% correct. Own it. Fix the problem. Now I know what the answer is for next time. That's it. It's that easy. Take ownership. That's the biggest flaw most people have is just not willing, being willing to take ownership of like screwing up. And then that's what leads into the fight or flight mode. And it just turns into a fight, like at the snap of a finger. Like, what do you mean? I didn't do it. Yeah, you did. Fuck you. Let's go. No. And it sucks. It's really freaking hard to accept when you mess something up. Yeah. But But that's. It takes a long time for people to learn that. It took me a long time to really learn that. And this is a nugget just, for everybody. When I you just have to accepting what I did wrong, any facet of what I did, whether it was with <clears throat> whether it was with work, <clears throat> money, cars, friends, family, etc. 
when you take it and own it and then try to get better and fix it and be like, yeah, that was my bad. Let's do this to try to fix it, move forward. Your life is hard for a split second in that moment, and it gets infinitely better on the other side. Versus what most people do is they either fib, create another scenario to where like it's not their fault, or they just refuse to own it whatsoever. That makes your life infinitely harder down the road mm-hmm. because it snowballs. It compa- the compounding interest effect is there with everything. Mm-hmm. It, it, it turns into something different. It could go up a chain. It could go to your boss. It could go to, you know, family members hurt their feelings. Like there's a whole slew of shit that can happen if you don't do that. And it's not that hard to do. You just got to suck up your pride and be like, all right, that was on me. That's it. All you got to do. And people understand. They won't get mad most of the time. If they do, mm-hmm. then so be it. You deserve it anyway. Yeah. Well, it's just. I don't know. The driver etiquette thing's kind of the new conversation floating around mm-hmm. in the racing world because it is. It's disappearing rapidly. It's, it's it, What's crazy is it's top to bottom. It's not like it's just dirt tracks or just the truck series or something like that. It's mm-hmm. up to the local level. Mm-hmm. And where what where it went, no idea. It's a generate. I, I truly believe it's because of a generational change in driver, and there's more of them that are that way than the other than the old school way. Yeah, it's definitely a generational thing for sure. I feel like an old man saying that, but <laughs> I mean i I had to when I was just a teenager racing all these grown men like. I didn't have a choice but to own if I messed up or have that conversation with these other drivers because otherwise they're going to walk all over you. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously a huge target. I was a 12-year-old kid racing modifieds against grown-ass men. Yeah. Like, it would be the most minute thing that I would do wrong, and I, it, I was immediately going to be the target. Mm-hmm. So... I had to be able to have those conversations with them. Otherwise, they would have bullied me like crazy. Yeah. But ultimately, it probably made you a better driver, too, is the thing. It did. But it also, it helped me keep my nose clean, too, to where I'm not out there driving like a moron. Exactly. Just being like a spoiled kid. Like, I'm I'm trying to earn the respect, so they race me the way I want to race them. So... Exactly. Well, I think it goes down to something that we've talked about on the show before, too. I think that this is just me speculating. The root cause, I think, is the turn from um, guys that are building their own race cars versus having them given or built for them in some way, shape, or form. If you build your own car, just like whenever you're, you own your own car, if you maintain it, if you clean it, if you do all the things to keep it nice, keep it right, mm-hmm. keep it tight, you're much more annoyed when people do dumb shit around your car because you don't want anything to happen to it mm-hmm. because of the time invested. Like, I used to go bananas if somebody would lean up against the Durango because I knew 
that it would cause surface scratches. You can call me crazy all you want, but I wanted to keep the paint on that thing as mint as possible. And mm-hmm. I didn't care how old it was or whatever. Just like with my C10, people would lean up against it and do all this other crap, set their books on the hood and blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, I don't give a shit what the paint looks like. You ain't setting that shit on my truck. Get it off or I'll throw it in the freaking creek. I don't care. Like, it's the difference of like having pride and owning your own thing and building your own thing and doing it from start to finish versus having it given, which is, I, I feel like that might be the root cause of the issue. Well, and that's kind of creeping down to the local level too. Like there's, there's, I would still say the majority of the guys at a local track own their own stuff, but there is definitely starting to be more and more to where the drivers don't own their car. They're driving for somebody. Mm-hmm. And which means that they don't have to, don't have to, they can choose to, but they don't have to fix it. Fix a quarter panel, set it up. If they dent it, ding it, do whatever, get it dirty. It's ready to go when they get to the track. Mm-hmm. But somebody else does it, is the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that that's a... I really hope that that problem corrects itself. Like, it starts at the top of the Cup Series. They get after these guys and get them to start racing right. And it starts creeping its way back down to the local level. And or I, vice versa. I, that and I would say the local level still does a pretty good job of self policing itself, but it's yeah. definitely in my short time of being involved in the local dirt track world for the last like thirteen years or whatever it's been, it has changed drastically since when I started. Facts. Yes. And that wasn't that long ago. No. But over those years, how many of the older guys have left is the thing. It, that number of guys I used to race with is definitely starting to dwindle. Mm-hmm. It'll be like whenever, you know, Harvick's leaving this year. I would, I really believe that Truex is out next year, probably, or maybe the year after. It won't be too long. Kurt Busch is already gone. There's a lot of guys that are long gone that were staples in the series. And I just, that song from George Jones comes to my mind all the time with, you know, popularity, with policing, with doing all the things, who's going to fill their shoes. And nobody has Mm -hmm. stepped up to the plate so far. I know that, you know, Chase is pretty popular or whatever, but he's not, he's not Jeff Gordon. He's not Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's not Tony Stewart. He's not Jimmy Johnson. I would go as far as to say, and in his prime, he's not even Jeff Burton, because Burton, I remember having his own couple haulers at the track. Like, mm-hmm. But I hate to cut this short, oh, but I left my laptop charger inside, and my laptop is on the verge of dying because everything is starting to go slow motion. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good spot to cut it off. Um, yeah. So... So we're gonna cut this, cut it right now. Tanner, what is your uh, Instagram handle? Instagram is at underscore Tanner Allen underscore. All right, and do the most important thing that is follow the show. If you got any value out of this episode, share the show. That's how we grow. We don't have any money in this. This is strictly for value purposes only. So if you can share the show, follow us at First Gear Podcast on any of the channels. If you want to follow me, I'm the Captain of Cars. We're out of here. See you guys.
See ya.